Welcome to the SAP Experts Podcast. My name is Steven Spears, Product Marketing Manager for SAP Customer Experience by Day and host of the Future of Customer Engagement and Experience Podcast by Night. Kind of like a Batman deal here. I'm honored to be one of the hosts of the All-Stars team and be a part of this great group of folks that are hosting the podcast now. You can expect from my episodes to hear a wide variety of topics, but always focused at understanding the experience behind the expertise. For today's episode, it's all about digital selling. And I'm joined by Soares Melskins, Global Head of Digital Selling and Innovation at SAP Midmarket. He does this stuff every single day. And it was great to not only discuss what digital selling is with him, but also dig deeper into his experiences to learn the best practices of digital selling and how you can incorporate them into your day-to-day business. All of that on this episode of the SAP Experts Podcast. Before we jump in or whatever, uh, yeah. I'm going to stop my camera. Or One thing I learned, if you have a one-on-one chat, is to move your own camera because apparently I'm one of the many people that loves looking at themselves, so I cannot concentrate on you. So I get rid of my okay. own view and I just see you full screen right now. So oh, good idea. <laughs> if you right-click on yourself or you can, you can hide self-view. Oh, perfect. It's amazing because I realize in meetings when I'm not speaking, I'm constantly looking at myself like, ah, oh, do I look? Is my hair okay? Am I wiggling too much? Because I love to wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> they, call, they used to call me the penguin when I was doing demos. You could see me like wiggling in the screen like, are you a penguin? What are you doing, man? <laughs> that's what I'm going to have to watch that now because I, as you mentioned it, I realized that's what I do too. You always... I don't know. Do you think it's like a narcissism thing in a in a small way? Because like that's I'll notice in meetings, I'll laugh at something and then I'll check to see, do I look like an idiot laughing? Like subconsciously, <laughs> not actively thinking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. That's a very good point. Uh, I, I do. I do. Uh, at least I realize it for myself and someone who I assume is very far away from being narcissistic. She gave me that advice and I actually felt like, hey, if I have a one on one conversation with someone else. Mm-hmm. I can much better focus on on the person itself uh, when I just see you instead of seeing myself half the time. So yeah, yeah apparently it, it helps a lot. And that's why I do it right now as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, this actually feels like now, now that I have it this way, because I've never done it this way, it actually feels like we are sitting right across from each other because I, I can't, there's no way for me to see what I look like, which is how it works in real life. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> no, true. Uh, I, I, I tend to have conversation with a mirror next to me. So <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, wouldn't that be weird in a real setting of like just over your back right shoulder, there was a mirror so I could see myself. That's basically how we do video chats. Uh, it's really weird because it's, it's, I don't do this very often. I'm normally in group meetings, but really I feel the nerd right now to see myself. Like, where am I? How do I look? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> really stupid. I, yeah. I will throw away my mouse for half an hour. And I cannot uh, change the view anymore. Nice. There you go. How hard is that to... to I, was, I was actually, as you said that, I was, I was thinking how throughout the day, I've noticed my mouse battery drains a hundred percent quicker than my keyboard battery. And oh, I'm wow. thinking that must mean that I'm doing a lot of unneeded clicking around and <laughs> wasting time that way. You know what I mean? I think it depends on how many browsers you watch every minute. Like, Hey, let me quickly see the news. Let me quickly see the weather. Yeah. Did I receive any new emails? Uh, quickly respond to this. Uh, I, it's funny because I'm actually old school. I still have a wired uh, keyboard. I still have a wired mouse. It just feels more natural. 
Nice. That's that old gaming background. The I, exactly. You know, the it's, it seems to be faster, man. It's faster with with the wire. I'm pretty much frustrated with my laptop when it takes two seconds to open an email. I'm like, ah, come on, man. I want to see it immediately. I don't want to wait <laughs> for this kind of stuff. So I probably don't need it for for any gaming, but much more for just smooth experience of of emails or watching videos or yeah, the basic stuff actually. Yeah, well, I, I think that's an interesting transition into to kind of kicking off the podcast because honestly, uh, that idea of waiting two seconds for an email, I 100% agree with. So I think if you go into digital selling, how much has just that, even that nugget of that attention span, uh, does that drive what you're doing with digital selling? Because I can imagine that just small little caveat is you know the norm now of no matter what you're doing digitally you've got a couple seconds or i'm out you know is that yeah. is that pretty accurate from what you've seen absolutely um i think you know when people are sending out an email or even when you're talking to a customer i think people are much easier distracted or annoyed or trying to get away from you of what your message is so you only have that few seconds to stand out to do something special or touch exactly the point that they wanted to hear in order to continue the conversation. Otherwise, yeah, it's so easy to delete an email. I, I, I realize myself, I tend to delete emails now based on the topic and, and who sends it out. I just feel like, hey, this might not be for me. And if they really need me, they will send a second email. So <laughs> that's how quick it goes these days. And the same with if you create a video or well, you, you're very active on LinkedIn yourself or social media, you know, you only have a few seconds. People scroll through content. And then when your video doesn't stand out, they haven't seen the video. They don't know what you're going to talk about. They just think like, hey, the, the first frame, I see an SAP logo. So I, today, I don't feel like SAP, I scroll through it. And you might have the most amazing talk track ever, but they never saw it because it started with this first frame that they didn't like. That's fun. So I, I think that's a good place to start too, because when I think of digital selling, I think of that that person we all probably see on LinkedIn that that's always a catchy first line. And I'm like, all right, I'm clicking read more. And then the second line is immediately $19.99 for my training program or follow this link to go buy this. So that, <laughs> that's my like impression of digital selling. I, I'm curious to get, you know, in your world, what your definition of digital selling is and and where you you kind of play. I think the question is very legit and that's a little bit the struggle that we see a lot when we talk about digital selling or the skills that are related to how you behave in a digital environment. And I have that same feeling, right? When we talk about people that are very digital, we tend to talk about people that that we see post 100 things on social media that none of them are relevant, but I always see their faces five out of the 10 posts that I see on LinkedIn. And for me, that's that's far, far, far away from someone who is, for instance, a digital native. And I think for me, when you talk about someone that we can say has a lot of digital skills is someone that feels comfortable using all of these different platforms in, 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 in a way to engage with people, to ha start a conversation. And I see it in myself as well, talking about this LinkedIn post. Sometimes I receive uh, emails from people just based on my title, right? It says uh, global head of something. So they send me this annoying stuff. So I click on the link, 30% discount. Oh, you want to go to this summit? You you know, I never want this kind of kind of stuff. And the only emails that I reply to are people that have none of these in their emails and just saying like, hey, Shores, uh, based on your profile, I was interested to uh, 
to to connect with you. And well, these are the topics that that I do. Um, if you have any interest, let me know. Th- those are the guys that I actually respond to because it's the farthest away from feeling like they're trying to sell something. Mm-hmm. And I think to answer your question, there is the people that understand how to use these platforms or how to engage in in digital environments, like for instance, also Zoom, and not trying to come across as a salesperson, but also start building this relationship. And therefore, it's very similar to when we talk about someone that has a very impressive selling skills, because there again, it's not about someone that starts opening the door, starts selling SAP software, whatever you're selling. Mm-hmm. It's about those people that without having to say a word, already starting to connect with these people by making eye contact, by an open attitude, by the way they behave, asking questions. And that, that's, that's where you sell. That's where you build a relationship. That's where you gain the trust. And it's the same in a digital environment. You want those people to trust you based on what you do on LinkedIn, how you behave in Zoom meetings, and what you do beyond, yeah, beyond the first moment that you met them throughout the sales journey that you're going through with them. It's kind of like a difference between a door-to-door salesman and you know uh, somebody that you see all the time at the dog park or something like that. Like if you're thinking, all right, I would buy an encyclopedia at some point. I'm really dating myself <laughs> with these references here, but uh, you know, at some point I'm going to buy an encyclopedia. Am I more likely the guy that shows up, knocks on my door, and is like, "Hey, I've got a thirty percent discount." I, I don't know you or this guy that I've talked to 10 times at the dog park. I don't know him that well, but there's that trust there of then he's like, hey, you know, I also my job day to day is selling encyclopedias. I'm like, oh, I've actually been looking at it. It's kind of that real world situation just online. It's really not different. Yeah. Oh, very good point. Exactly. And and that, that's a difficult thing, right? Because, again, uh, we we tend to believe that people are doing a great job. Uh, when it comes to digital, when we see them a lot. And that is that is no metrics for being digitally native or feeling confident doing those digital interactions. And it's it's totally not about how many times you do it. It's understanding, okay, now this particular activity or this particular interaction with my customer is going to help me to build this relationship, to grow their trust and to move this deal forward. That That's for me, someone that is a digital native. And Maybe that means he's not active on LinkedIn at all because he understands that his account lists, those people that he needs to sell to are not on LinkedIn, but somewhere else. Mm. That's a good point. So I'm guessing your uh, your expertise and your uh, your day-to-day work has ramped up over the last year, at least, because now uh, digital selling is, for a lot of people, the only way they're selling. So ha- have you been a busy guy? <laughs> Well, you you can say so, yeah. And it's funny because I started this role exactly in the middle of all the hectic uh, last year, right? I started in May somewhere, and obviously we did some pre-work before, but yeah, we just started right away providing a lot of enablement content, a lot of directions. Hey, this is how you get your... It starts with the basic, right? How did you get your Zoom license? Uh uh, how 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 can you create an impactive email? Because well, we cannot meet face to face that often anymore. So how do you how do you engage in written uh, written engagements? And it started with those basics. How do you look like in front of your camera? Does it look like you just uh, having this Zoom meeting out of your bed, uh, having a beer next to you, or does it look <laughs> like you took the you took the opportunity to shower this morning, <laughs> do your hair? And look professional in front of the camera. That that's where we started last year. And 
yeah, you, you can imagine uh, we have so many salespeople. I think, uh, I don't know the number anymore, but anyone that is in a, in a customer-facing role at some point started to get interest in this digital engagement in how to use these digital tools last year. So yeah, uh, it has been absolutely a busy, busy time for me, which which is good. That's That makes me happy. It drives me. I see a lot of improvements from from people that had a very uh, face-to-face background when it comes to customer interaction. And even those people, you see, they are, they are learning, they are developing, they are understanding how to, how to mix those face-to-face interactions with digital. And, and that makes me uh, very proud. Yeah. Well, and especially just that, um, the, the aspect you mentioned of just turning the video on, cause I remember, you know, we're, we're a global company. We all, uh, took a lot of discovery calls and things like that over Zoom or whatever platform. But I remember specifically, at least like my first two and a half years of the company, we'd all hop on a Zoom link. Nobody turned their camera on. It was, you'd see the little pictures and that was the norm. I mean, even prospects that would join as well, they'd they'd hop on and nobody would ever turn their camera on. And so it was weird that there was all of a sudden the switch of Okay, we're all at home now. We might as well turn on all the cameras. And I can imagine how terrifying that had to be for a lot of people. And just like you said, the basics of okay, you turn your camera on and you don't sit it with like right under your chin, uh, you know, things like that. That it, it, it's just weird because we were all kind of used to a lot of these Zoom links, at least at SAP. But just the video threw a whole nother wrench into it. That's a very good uh, example, exactly. And uh, again, we come back to this conversation, right? How do you build trust uh, through a digital environment? And I, throughout this this uh, pandemic, I got a new manager. Uh, I, I used to work with her before, but now I was her direct report. So you want to build so, some kind of relationship with her, right? And mm-hmm. that is impossible if uh, if you just do it like a telephone call without the cameras on. Uh, she's not in the same office as I am, so... The only way for me to build trust with her is for us to both have our webcams on and to see, hey, this is where I live. This is where you live. Uh, for instance, I have a rabbit. So I showed her my rabbit at some point. You know, that's that's where you get the connection with people. And it's the same with your customers. And, and one of the advice I always give is that it doesn't matter if your customer doesn't open the camera. You as a sales or you someone from SAP or the partner, you're trying to sell, you should always have your camera on because that's the only way they can humanize with you. They can feel that uh, effort that you're putting into the conversation. Or maybe uh, you're looking at something else. You're drinking coffee, watching your phone, but immediately they can see and they can also feel that you're not paying attention anymore, even if your webcam is on. That's a good point. I saw a lady on a call the other day that was uh, eating lunch um, and the camera (laughs) was also pointed to the side of her. And I realized this is a weird time we are living in when people have now gotten so comfortable that they'll sit on a meeting with their camera on and show you their side profile eating lunch. I was like, I feel like maybe some people have gone too far with this uh, letting you in, right? Well, was that on purpose or? I, I don't know, to be honest. And it was one of those <laughs> that there was enough people on the call to where I, I didn't know this lady personally. And so I, I lo- actually looked for a button if there was a way for me to turn off her camera because it was making me a little uncomfortable. But uh there was no way oh, wow. in, in teams at the moment, but yeah, no, uh, I don't know if it was on purpose, but uh, that kind of leads to, is, is there a, uh, especially when it comes to like video meeting, stuff like that, you mentioned some of the etiquette of just having the camera on, 
Uh, is there some other, uh, you know, best practices, things like that you've seen working as, as ways to be better at, at doing these type of things on video? Yeah, that's, it's a very tricky conversation, a uh, very tricky question, right? Because there sure. are so many things that you do in a Zoom meeting or in a presentation that you have to consider. And it's, it's the same when you're presenting in front of your customer face to face. How do you start the meeting? How is your posture? How, how do you use your voice? Uh, how are you using the audience? Are you just presenting for, for, for an hour or are you engaging with them? Are you asking questions? So all these things you normally do in front of your customer, it's, it's exactly the same in a Zoom environment. And a couple of small things that I tend to do, and it's by the way, I got this from, from a colleague, uh, an American colleague uh, the other day. He was telling me like, uh, Shores, when you are talking about digital selling, uh, often you gave tips and tricks that are, you know, maybe a little bit too advanced for people that are trying to figure out if they have an iPhone or an Android phone, you know? <laughs> so, and, and he told me, uh, every time you're thinking about providing tips, think about Mickey Mouse, simple. And uh, I love that phrase. I wrote phrase. I wrote it down. <laughs> and so that's what I'm tr- going to try to do. But one of the things that I, uh, that I really love when I start the meeting, and it doesn't matter if it's internal or external, but um, as me as a host, or when I am hosting the meeting, I always try to play some music. And for me, that's a very easy way to start a conversation because how often have you been in those meetings where there's an awkward silence? Yeah, people are joining. The host mm-hmm. is telling you, hey, we're going to start in five minutes. And yeah, everybody's sitting there like, okay, who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> and, they, and this music always breaks the tension, right? They try to choose something from that country or maybe something provocative or something I like myself so I can start the conversation and ask people like, hey, do you like this music? Would you like me to play something else? What is the what is the type of music you like? And that's immediately again where you start creating this relationship instead of just waiting for the twenty people to join your conversation. And uh, that's something that you can do very easily. That's so. How do you play the music? Do you play it through your computer into the platform, or do you have yeah. a way you can just play it uh, like in in the meeting? No, in Zoom, for instance, uh, I tend to use Zoom quite a lot. And in Zoom, there's a way I, instead of sharing my screen, I can share share the the audio. Yeah, share the audio. And I just play a YouTube uh, video on my computer. So uh, sometimes it happens that uh, an ad starts and then some people laugh and then tell them, (laughs) you know, it's a German ad because I'm using the German (laughs) VPN. I'm... I'm really Dutch, I promise. I'm really from the Netherlands. But, you know, those, those things happen to me as well. It doesn't have to be perfect. But uh, again, those are, those are things that you can do from the start to start building a little bit of conversation, a little bit of uh, relationship with the people. I love that idea because I, I, I haven't joined a call other than these global all hands, things like that, where they play a little music at the beginning. But even then, it's so generic. You're like, all right, this is like I'm waiting to get to customer service, you know, something like that. So you, so you, you actually, <laughs> line, like, exactly. Like literally I'm like, all right, I'm waiting to have to argue with someone about my phone bill. Uh, but, but yours is more, you actually like go find like maybe a popular song from the area or something like that to kind of play while everybody's getting ready. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I don't want to dive into examples but uh if if it doesn't fit a particular region or a particular country so in that case it's very easy to look for uh songs that are popular in that country yeah. um, but if if i have no clue or just one minute to prepare 
Uh, I, I play my own music. Uh, I like uh, techno music or dance music. Obviously, I'm from the Netherlands. We have a lot of famous. <laughs> we have a lot of famous DJs, and and th- and that again, it's a little bit provocative because well, uh, some people would not expect that kind of music. They they expect this uh, this uh, elevator mu- type of music. So mm-hmm. if I don't know what to play for them, I play what I like, and and it can be a provocative way to start talking as well. That's, I mean, it really is genius in the sense of it immediately makes a topic of conversation. And like you said, it, it makes you vulnerable in the sense of, you know, Pandora ad pops up. It's like, wow, Soar's is too cheap to pay for the premium version, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there, there's like this immediate like relatability there. So, I, no, that's genius. So, ideas like that, stuff like that. Uh, you know, what you've learned from digital selling, you obviously haven't always been in a role where that's been your focus. So uh, in previous roles, is this something that you were you were always kind of doing and, and more, maybe more on the forefront of that that helped you into this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, yeah, to, die, to get into a role like this, it has to be a little bit your nature as well. And uh, I started working at SAP five years ago, and I have a very financial background. I was a financial analyst for two uh, banks in the Netherlands before, and I never really thought about selling software uh, or doing anything uh, on the technical side. So when I joined SAP, uh, well, I already mentioned it five years ago, I think, uh, mm-hmm. I, I joined as a financial pre-sales. Uh, I, was in a, I was in a role where we did a lot of demonstrations, uh, qualification calls uh, remotely, we had these virtual studios in Barcelona, so I could present myself on top of the slides or on top of the demonstration. So somehow it already uh, was taught throughout your onboarding uh, for that particular uh, part of SAP. Um, nevertheless, uh, yeah, I was I was always interested in okay, how can I increase the experience or ma- uh, create that wow effect with my customers? Right, uh, as a pre-sales in my role, I I, I never really went through this whole customer journey with my customers. I was not part of the business development uh, aspect. Sometimes we did some webinars, but you normally I would dive into the opportunity when everything was already qualified uh, quite well. And the only thing I needed to do basically was uh, do a prep call for demonstration and make sure that the software would run. And <laughs> so I had these few <laughs> moments with them to, to build that trust. Uh, to make sure that they felt that I was a professional, that I was qualified to talk about these financial uh, challenges with them, uh, and making sure that they felt uh, I was I was trusted and trusted advisor for them. So uh, that helped me to use videos before the meeting, after the video, after the meeting to follow up. Uh, well, obviously, I was already doing some remote uh, presentations as well. And I tried to develop my skills in there. How can I create a better PowerPoint? How can I use animations in PowerPoint? Uh, how can I create an, an impressive LinkedIn profile so that the people that see my name on the meeting, and obviously, they're going to look for this guy who the hell is assures that they they thought at least that I was a very, <laughs> very well-known uh, person in the financial in the financial area. So yeah, those things naturally happened because of the, the role that I got into. And um, yeah, that's how you meet other people uh, outside of your own organization, outside of your own region and started supporting supporting them as well. And, and maybe it's something you you have for instance because yeah, you are considered that as someone a very, a very, uh, how do you call it? Uh, mastered the art of podcasts. So 
you, you might you might uh, have the same thing that you're often asked to provide some enablement or answer some question, help out other people. And for me, it happened the same. But then from from a presentation perspective, uh, to help my my colleagues uh, build their own presentations, help them t uh, tell a story around their demonstrations. Uh, that's how you grew into that. Yeah, and that's cool too. That that's kind of where you're, you know, you you cut your teeth per se, uh, because that is such a pivotal spot in the selling process. Of you know, we've because because my background was a lot of SAP business development. So all right, we we used you know, it, we never got a lead from blasting someone's in mail on LinkedIn, but uh, unless unless I was more attractive, sometimes that worked. Uh, but, but, you know, we went and found a prospect, we got them, you know, qualified, did a discovery, make sure there was something going on there. And then obviously we would work with the account executive and, and pre-sales. And, uh, just that point is so pivotal of, and in this meeting, they could th theoretically decide right now, okay, this company's not worth working for this software. doesn't do anything that they said it did. Uh, so the fact that that's kind of where you had, had cut your teeth and got your chops on adding that video element, uh, is, is fascinating to me because it, it is a huge part of it. Yeah. And, uh, I learned, I learned a lot through the, I think I did it for three years and I learned so much because it always felt like, Hey, this is a do or die moment, right? If, if the software crashes or my story doesn't make sense, or I never really did a good qualification. So I was showing the wrong processes you know, that will definitely not help the deal. And and sometimes it even happened that, yeah, quite soon after the demonstration, you just, normally what happened is you never heard back from the sales guy. So then, <laughs> yeah, you, 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 after a month or two, you ask like, hey, what happened to this deal? And yeah, you, you got like two sentences back that, yeah, basically you screwed up with the demo. So, <laughs> you know, you always, you always felt the pressure of, yeah, doing something, great for them and you wanted to make sure that this sales guy you want you he, he needs to work with you again next time right if if you're going to mess up his deals because you do a crappy presentation or yeah the the, the customer didn't like you he, he's going to avoid you next time as well so as a person as a pre-sales you had to build your own branding you have to make sure that the sales wanted to work with you and i learned a lot from that uh from that experience yeah making sure that now in the role that i have i do the same thing you need to build a brand around yourself a brand around the topic that we discussed digital selling and making sure that people see the value of you as a person and of what you what you do for sap as well you kind of mentioned how making sure in your time you made sure your linkedin was good um you know you made sure when you were on video it was it was true to your brand I guess the uh, my question would be what what do you see as the key pieces people should look at um, for your digital brand when it comes to to digital selling? Is it just your your LinkedIn and your video presentations, or is it more to it than that? Uh, there is definitely a lot more to it than that. I think the lame answer is is exactly LinkedIn profile, and that is, <laughs> and that's because of the easy fact that people are gonna look for you, right? If they mm -hmm. see a new name in the meeting or they hear like, hey, Steven is going to present. Well, who the hell is Steven? So what do I do? I'm going to watch your LinkedIn page. Where do you work? Mm -hmm. What is your experience? What do you do there? Uh, to, to get a first look at who is this person. Uh, besides that, indeed, it starts with the basics when you join life of them. How do you behave? How do you present yourself? Are there awkward silences? Do, do I see you eat your lunch at the beginning of the meeting because <laughs> you forgot the camera was on? So 
the small things, how you behave in a virtual environment or in a digital environment immediately uh, identifies if you feel comfortable, it, it gives them a perception of the person you are. It's the same when you meet people face to face. How, how did Steven dress up in this summit? The first time I met him, was he, what, maybe he had got too much uh, drinks. Uh, did he behave well? Uh, did he ask some questions? Well, you know, I think that is maybe something we all still have to learn is to understand that everything I do with my customer, even if I don't open up the camera, it gives them an impression. Why is Stephen not opening up his camera? Does he feel uncomfortable? Does he have the script in front of him? Like, <laughs> is, he, is he reading from the script? So these, these, all these things have an impact on, on your digital brand. And yeah, you mentioned it well, LinkedIn or any social platform. Twitter is, is quite popular in America, obviously. So uh, in, in, in Germany, you have Sing, which is a popular professional uh, platform. So whatever, wherever your customers are, this is where you have to build your own profile, your own brand. And, uh, the easy thing about those uh, platforms is that you can fake it all around. Um, that's <laughs> and it's, uh, the reason I'm mentioning it, Stephen, is that it was one of my biggest struggles uh, when I started uh, selling financial software. Is that you can imagine those CFOs, those financial people. First of all, they are probably not very uh, innovative. They tend to be in those roles for 10, 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. and there comes this this young guy from SAP who is going to tell them in half an hour how they can do their financial reporting or consolidation five times quicker than they do now. And yeah, they didn't connect with me because of that. They felt like, hey, this guy doesn't have the credibility to tell me what to do. So I used a lot my my social profile to enhance what I my experience to showcase that uh, I worked at the bank for two years. I did a lot of lot of research and and reacted to a lot of financial posts uh, to showcase I had the knowledge to have those conversations with them, and uh, that helped me sometimes when they googled me and uh, they got the impression that indeed I was not this kid trying to tell them stuff, but I actually had the same experiences in those financial processes as themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's like a billboard for yourself. I I learned that pretty quickly too, of I would want to fill out my LinkedIn profile with like all the minute details of things I was doing. And uh, I think someone had pointed out to me, it's like, look, like this is your chance to tell people. It's like, I like to do it a lot at the beginning of, of the podcast we do of, this is your chance to tell me what you think you do. Not, you know, maybe not what you're actually doing, like on a day-to-day minute basis, but this is your chance to actually tell me what your impression of why your job is important or why your skills are important. So I think that's a really good point of it. It Obviously, you don't want to lie on there. Like you don't want to put no, the no, CEO of SAP. Please. You're not going to do that, I would hopefully think, but you could use it to enhance it. So I think you made a good point too. Probably if you, you get your LinkedIn up to shape, that's probably 90% of the battle at this point, right? Oh, but yeah, when you talk about uh, getting those uh, uh, profile out, right? So that, that is one aspect. And for me, the other aspect, uh, when you talk about digital selling and, and one of the things that I, where I can see if someone has these skills or not, is just how comfortable are you in this environment? Are you using your webcam? Um, 
Are you able, when you need to share your screen, which happens a lot of times when you present, uh, does it take you two minutes to find the right application or are you sharing the wrong screen? You know, that happens 80% of the time. And you know that those people that have those skills, they immediately have the right page, the presenter mode, they, they start, they are not going to ask like, hey, can you see my screen? Because they have a second device where they can see it. Those are those small things that where you can see, okay, this this guy or this girl, women are actually more comfortable in these digital environments, I sometimes believe. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's where you can see, okay, this person has his digital skills under control. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I feel attacked now because I'm guilty of the awkward when I'm sharing. I'm, I always, <laughs> I'm the guy that says, all right, I'm going to share my screen now. Even though I know where I'm going, it's just my like defense mechanism of <laughs> of saying out loud, "All right," and I think this is the right screen. You know, even though I know where I'm going, it's it's just uh, I feel like that old guy of I, I have to talk it out as a way to break that awkward silence. But Stephen, that that is not uh, it's not something to point out, and uh, I tend to do that still quite a lot, but. For me, it's important that when you have this, this, this key meeting with your customer, where you have your, your IVA joining, your pre-sales team joining, uh, you have your executive sponsor with you, then you should be prepared to have everything perfect, right? Then it shouldn't happen that you cannot mute yourself or some weird stuff happening. You're sharing your email. So in that cases, uh, something we tend to train people on is make sure you have a second device, your mobile or your iPhone, uh, your iPad, join with a second device so you can exactly see what you're sharing. So you don't have to ask that question. So you know exactly, for instance, when uh, somehow your uh, environment stops sharing your screen, you can see it on your phone. These, these small things is where you showcase also to your customer that you have mastered how to sell in a digital environment so that they immediately you brand yourself because of that you brand SAB because you have these skills under control so and, and the meeting goes more fluent and more impactful because you you don't have these problems you don't have to ask them if, they, if you're sharing the right screen if someone can unmute themselves or mute themselves because there's a dog in the background those things those small things you can prepare you can train yourself you can practice in dry runs and this is where yeah, for me, this is where you showcase to your audience, to your customers, okay, I, whether we are face-to-face -face or digital, I can deliver, I can be impactful, I can create this wow moment. Is one of the reasons why you should choose for SAP because we got our stuff under control. Yeah, in a way, it sounds like digital selling done perfectly is essentially hiding the fact that we're doing this digitally. It's yeah. almost if you do it perfectly, nobody's thinking about the fact that we're on a Zoom meeting or we're not doing this in person. The The overarching content and discussion is what takes the lead. I think that's a very good statement. I love that. I will I will definitely write that down somewhere. <laughs> because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, I think you captured that very well. And I think that's also where the conversation goes now, right? So we've had this COVID situation Almost everybody had to work remotely. And now we are going back to times where we are able to meet our customers face-to-face, -face, when we are maybe next year able to go to summits to do some, some relationship building, business development, uh, shaking hands, 
uh, maybe in two years. I don't know. <laughs> Will we ever go back to shaking hands? By the way, <laughs> uh, fist bumps are the norm uh, where I'm at. So uh, yeah, it's, it's you look easier. like a yeah, you look like a you look like a complete lunatic if you go for a handshake. Uh, <laughs> I, I've never seen it. Uh, that's a complete side tangent, but yeah, if you go for a handshake, it's like, yeah. buddy, what, are you trying to kill me? That's uh, old. So I get it. I get it. But yeah, no, but, yeah. I, go ahead. No, I, I wanted to say, that, you know, the conversation now is heading towards the, the, the hybrid engagement because even if I can go back to my customer, maybe for some reason, uh, the CFO has to join remotely. He is back in Australia. I'm in America. He's not able to join or something happens that you have to uh, invite your pre-sales remotely because he was not able to get the flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we have learned how to use these tools completely remote. But the next conversation is, okay, I'm presenting face-to-face in front of 20 people from the board, but two people are joining remotely. How can I make sure that that both the audience in the room and audience that is joining virtually is able to see my screen, is able to hear me clearly, is able to ask questions where we are able to reply on, to engage with them so they don't feel lost when they have to join on Zoom and they, they see you from a side view because you you muffled away the laptop somewhere in the corner. Mm-hmm. How do you engage both sides physically and virtually in the same meeting? That is that is for me the next step when we talk about digital and the confidence to do that clearly. Yeah. And that is, for me also, maybe this question you had wrote down as well, okay, what, what is going to happen with digital in the future? What is, what is making digital exciting now is those interactions, right? Yeah. We've learned, we have learned that we don't have to be in the same spot anymore. Uh, it's it's, a, it's, an, it's a, still a habit. It's still something that can increase the relationship, but it's going to happen that you have to combine those engagements. And for me, that is interesting. I'm reading a lot of reports and a lot of a lot of stuff out there that is diving into that particular topic. How can we prepare our sales guys in those interactions? And how can we make sure that in that case, again, they, they see that SAP got their stuff under control, that it doesn't matter if you're joining face-to-face or that you have to dial in from a Zoom meeting. Uh, and I, I that's that's the ideation I love to do right now. So let me know, Stephen, if you have any replies on that. Any feedback? <laughs> this is what no, we are no. preparing. Yeah, and and honestly, it makes me wonder: of is it a matter of just training the the person to be able to handle that, obviously, or is there going to have to be this new wave of of meeting rooms that are a hundred percent set up to accommodate that hybrid? Because if you think about it, you know, it, there's not a great way of setting a laptop up. Maybe we set up a camera, but theoretically, and, and maybe this is already a thing and I'm very naive to it, but like a Zoom room or something at the office to where it's a meeting room, but it's set up with, uh, you know, a certain camera to where you can set the meeting up into it. You probably know better than I do if that's something already, but I would see that being kind of the natural progression of, your environment would cater to it as well. It's still going to be weird, I'm sure, but some type of of actual environment that caters to that hybrid. I think your mindset is exactly at the right place. And the good news is that we are going there. There are people within SAP that are working on those experiences. I know the the experience centers across the world, uh, they are enhancing their equipment, their hardware in order to deliver those those, uh, hybrid sessions. Uh, yeah, I don't want to make any any advertisement for specific people right now, but I'm very yeah. much aware of some 
some great efforts in, in Barcelona, in the Netherlands, in Germany. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry if I am not naming all the locations. I don't know. But the good news is that a lot of people have the same mindset, they have the same vision. And indeed, are working not only on the soft skills of our salespeople, but also the ability to use the hardware in order to deliver that kind of session. And uh, it's it's definitely it's it's easy to do that inside SAP internally. You can build those rooms, you can prepare that. Uh, and now again, the next step is okay, but how can we deliver the same experience if we have to go to the customer? Because the customer still has Windows 95 on his laptop. He's doing yeah. financial reporting in Excel. I don't know what kind of tools they are using, but that's, that's the next question. And, you know, this is why digital selling is always evolving. And that's, mm-hmm. that's also why I love this topic. Yeah. Well, and that was, you know, you hit that that was going to be one of my questions, but it, it also kind of hit on what made me think of, of it, it's always evolving because like last year, like we talked about, it was totally accessible. It, acceptable that your dog came running by in the background. There was probably four or five months where everyone was like, I get it. You don't really work from home. You never have. So if you have to run off screaming at your kids, things like that, and we're still pretty tolerant, but it feels like, and you can tell me if I'm off on this, that that people are getting back to this more mode of, okay, you've worked from home for a year now. You should have a handle of the dog needs to stay outside during this very important meeting or things like that. Is that the sentiment you're seeing too? Cause I'm getting that vibe now as we make that transition back. Well, based on your feedback, I think it makes sense right now. And I think that very much depends on the culture, right? Um, I can imagine that indeed at some point, and I'm just trying to think about how do you brand yourself in that case? And how are you branding SAP because of that? And, in those meetings where you're with customers and maybe still you're doing, you're talking about pricing at that moment. You don't want to have your dog barking around when you're throwing in some some important numbers there or how many discounts you can give. So, I I I I, I believe indeed that right now we're getting to a moment where you can expect people to have those basics under control, uh, where you yeah you feel like hey maybe even even myself I'm considering okay do I need to buy. A professional camera, a microphone, maybe that de- I bought a desk a desk quite recently because I was mm-hmm. always working from the dinner table, and now <laughs> I have a desk at home. It's just to make myself more comfortable, but also the ability to work from a more professional place. And it's a good point that at some point people, our customers, will also expect you to be able to deliver a professional session. Uh, wherever you work, they don't care if you're at home or in the office, or maybe you're working in a, a, a co-working space uh, in the future. We don't know, but mm-hmm. yeah, indeed, the, the expectation from our customers is also growing. And, and, and there, it very much depends who are you selling towards. Are, do they have those skills under control? Because you, you definitely want to avoid where this whole, your, all of your customers are very comfortable, looking very professional, have everything under control, and you're trying to, <laughs> trying to share your PowerPoint and you, you don't feel comfortable doing so. So yeah. uh, you want to avoid that situation, right? Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm definitely not knocking because everybody has different circumstances. And I, and I totally understand sometimes, you know, you are literally babysitting while you're working and those are, are tough situations. So there's always I, outliers, but I you think know. I've, 
I, I think the question is not very much towards the individual here, but more from a corporation, right? Uh, yeah. How much how much budget is SAP willing to uh, make free in order for you to to purchase the right equipment? And I know for myself, I quite recently relocated from Spain to the Netherlands, and they they. Uh, one of the offers was uh, 500 euros in order to purchase the right equipment for your home. And uh, yeah, it helps. Uh, it helped me to buy this desk, uh, to buy a second screen uh, and to make sure that I can deliver more professional sessions uh, from that perspective. And, and that's why for me, you know, even from, an, from a corporate perspective, that's an interesting question to ask. How do we want our people to look like in, in remote meetings and virtual meetings? And also just do we want to make sure that they feel comfortable working from home. And how will how far is the corporation willing to go? Do we pay for babysitters? Do we uh, help with daycare to <laughs> keep well, us I don't up, think this know? is the right podcast to do this. It's maybe the right question, but I'm definitely not the person involved. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, well, we were going to hold you to that uh, for the next <laughs> board meetings where they have those discussions. Uh, but no, I, I did want to ask you about uh, when it comes to social tel- selling too, because like you mentioned, I, we do a lot on LinkedIn. Um, so is video really king right now? Because I keep hearing that and, and I believe it from a sense of if you can do, if you're thinking of doing a, a PDF or if you're thinking about doing a a 25-page solution brief, if you can make it into a video, it's going to be more beneficial. So I, I'm curious to get your perspective on should we be striving to do more video uh, wherever we can? I think the answer is yes, but not for for that particular reason. Uh, I think in in general, the first question you have to ask is who is my audience? What type of customer do I have in front of me? What is he going to resonate with? Is he going to watch this video? Is he going to prefer a PDF? Uh, Maybe it's a very uh, visual sway page or a mural environment. You have to think about, okay, what is going to resonate with this customer? And... If it's not video, maybe it's something else. But for me, that's the first question I would ask. And uh, the reason why the answer to the question, do we need more video, uh, use more videos? Uh, for me, uh, the answer is yes. Because for me, the video is one of the most easy ways to create this additional touch points with your customer. Because in the beginning of our podcast, we discussed, uh, I am not going to read emails anymore. I'm just based on the subject or man, this is Steven at SAP. Well, I'm not interested in SAP. I deleted. <laughs> I, I didn't see your email, man. Yeah. Uh, it's, and in those cases, videos can help to stand out and to make sure that they do spend these five seconds with you. They do want to, uh, to hear what you're telling them about. And for me, there, there's where video has a bigger impact than our old-fashioned way of interaction, the cold calling, the emails, also LinkedIn emails. Mm-hmm. Um, there's where video can stand out. And to addition to that, for me, uh, one of the things that in my case was uh, quite successful was that I always tried to create a follow-up video where very easily I would just mention the, the action items that we had, a quick recap of the meeting and ask them to propose one or two dates for the next meeting or whatsoever. And I always use video to that. So, and I send it out maybe one or two days after. So they already forgot about my demonstration. They were doing their normal work again. And I sent them this video message saying those things. And that for me created that additional touch point. It's a way for them to get SAP in their head again. It's for me, a way for me to showcase, Hey, I'm, I'm using 
um, using new tools and new techniques to engage with you uh, instead of the old-fashioned emails or maybe PDS. Because I, I think that for this particular account or this particular customer, it's going to resonate better, or at least I get a reply from them. Yeah. And we have those tools internally to to be able to record stuff pretty easily like that, right? It's not a wild west of, all right, go figure out where you can record it. I mean, you could probably even do it on your iPhone or your, your tele or your phone if you wanted to, or should you not? Oh, well, look, if you are WhatsApping with your customers, then send them a, <laughs> send them a video. I, for me, that's not, uh, I'm not the one that should decide there. Internally, indeed, we have the, the Iris video platform, which, which I, I, I use a lot, even internally, just because I can record with my webcam and it sends out a video message through my own email. So I don't have to prepare a lot of things. Um, oh, nice. but, there, but there again, it comes back to the point, where's my customer, right? If I'm WhatsApping them and send them a WhatsApp video, uh, I don't mind. Uh, if you know that this guy is a YouTube fan, uh, put your video on YouTube and send it <laughs> through, through that channel. <laughs> just making sure that he is at the right, and you're messaging him from the right platform. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's fascinating. Cause I know that's, that's a hurdle for a lot of folks, especially like you were talking about of, of this, we're still figuring out how to better share our screen on zoom and how to, you know, even, uh, you know, share social posts correctly on LinkedIn, stuff like that. Like that is the reality. So this idea of I'm going to record a video and then get that video into an email to send to somebody is a tall task for a lot of people. So knowing that there is stuff like Iris out there for you that can make it a lot easier, I think is comforting for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. And for those people, I, I would advise, uh, you know, in that, in that example I gave for the follow-up uh, video, I assume that people in, uh, in that case would consider a follow-up email. You message them, hey, thanks for the meeting. And these were the points discussed. That could you meet next Tuesday or next Thursday? And you take that email, you go to the Iris video platform, you read exactly what you just wrote down in your email. And instead of having it written down, you send it by a video. That's the easiest way to, to engage in a different way than the email that you already prepared. And again, Stephen, it's a very good point, right? I think uh, we all have those moments where we feel, uh, is this going to be impactful? Do I feel comfortable? Uh, is it really helping me in my sales cycle with this customer? And there again, I think that the only question you need to ask is how far am I willing to go for this customer? How much effort do I want to put in? Is it a key account or is it maybe a deal that I don't need for the quarter anymore? It depends on where you are and how comfortable you feel trying these things out. And I told you before, with me, more things went wrong than went well. But eventually, I feel right now, if I would go back to a, a sales role or a pre-sales role, I would feel comfortable using all those learnings to create the customer journey I have in mind for that particular customer. Because I practice video, I practice my social behavior, I practice how to behave in live meetings like we do right now. I know how to use internal platforms like, like VLM and Outreach and all those uh, Zoom info. Do I have the right data to engage? And for me, that is where where my my benefits come from and where in that case i would stand out compared to the salespeople from from oracle or salesforce or my other competitors because i feel comfortable in face-to-face -face interactions i know the sales techniques i know how to promote sap and i am able to use these digital techniques in order to create another other touch points uh, fun engagements and build a relationship both both physically and through these digital platforms so it really is a a a skill 
for going forward. If you are going to be an account executive, anyone selling a digital selling, theoretically, is going to be like one, two, three on your resume there. It's it's going to have to be a large component of, of your skill set. I believe so. And for me, the reason is that even now, Steve, I don't know how old are you, Stephen? Uh, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't hit 30 yet. I'll, okay, I'll admit that okay. much. Yeah. Well, we might be the same age. I'm 29. So. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I will be, I'll be 29 later this year. So no, yeah. fair enough. So I, even I already feel like uh, the people that are joining the job markets right now, those, those guys are really grew up with an iPhone in their hand. Um, I, I I remember the first time we got a computer at home. We we didn't have Wi-Fi the first ten years I lived. There's no Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I don't know what internet is. So, <laughs> in that perspective, I already feel somehow behind because these guys that are joining the job market right now, they are much uh, more aware of what guy what is effective, what is an effective video, what is an effective uh, online ad, what is an effective way to engage with an audience digitally. So they are already uh light years in front of us from that perspective and and that's why i feel like I, in my case as well i need to stay relevant for 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 sap for other companies in order to showcase i can do exactly the same then as them while you, i use all of the experience i already have which they don't so for me it's a way to stay relevant in, in the job market absolutely yeah. Well, and, and I still remember to your point of of how we've had a weird transition being in this age group, because I still remember when I, I, I was selling, I think I was 16. Um, I was or I was trying to buy a car uh, and I went to a local marketplace. It's Craigslist. I don't know if anyone still uses it here. Um, <laughs> everybody's on Facebook Marketplace now. But I remember there was a car and it was this brand new like uh, Grand Cherokee or something new model, brand new year, but it was only like 3000 us dollars. And so I emailed them. I was like, this is a steal. Of course, why would, why has no one bought this yet? And I got a note back saying, you know, I'm actually overseas. I need you to wire me $40,000, something weird like that. And I still remember because we, I mean, we were new to this and I remember I, I brought it to my dad and I was like, Hey, look, this is all we have to do to get this car. And he was like, son, that's not real. And I was like, what do you mean? It's not real. Like, why would they lie to me like this? So to your point of there was things that now, you know, younger folks that are, that are now decision makers at companies, um, that, that they can spot even the faintest hint of, oh, this is a scam or this is just a a sales pitch. Uh, so that's a whole nother world that you have to deal with of how do you be authentic uh, because they can sniff out a, I'm going to ask you for your email address halfway through this note. You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I think that that's a good point, right? Are you, uh, are you honest in what you do? Or, or are you doing this just because you've asked to do a video? Are you, are you, uh, are you putting this post out there or reposting an SAP ad because someone asked you to increase your SSI or are you truly trying to open up a conversation about the topic that relates to what you sell. And I think those people, the, you know, the, the age group 35 till 25, those, those guys now are naturally able to identify people that are, yeah, that are putting true content out there and, and are, uh, how did you, how did you phrase it? 
uh, authentic. Yeah, they are authentic. Yeah, are authentic and have have digitalized a natural behavior compared to the people that do it because they have to do it. Yeah, no, it scares me when I saw the stat. It was from Forrester that like uh, I think it's six, upper sixties to lower seventy percent of decision makers now are millennials. Um, and oh, no, I thought, those are man, I know. I was like, <laughs> man, we're the worst. So, <laughs> well, Soros, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I do want to give you the opportunity here as we wrap it up. Uh, to, you know, plug anywhere folks can go to follow you, you know, keep up with what you're doing, but also, you know, learn about the work you're doing and, and how it could help them out. Um, oh, so I have to advertise myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is, this is the plug section. You know? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, this is yeah. where it's encouraged for you to uh, to sell here. I actually wanted to use a video, Stephen, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's a podcast. Yep. We don't do that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I misunderstood. <laughs> um, yeah. So first of all, I'm very open for anyone that is uh, eager to connect me on LinkedIn. This is uh, the platform that I use. Uh, you can find me on my my own name, Shores Nelskins. Um, as well for all of the SAP folks out there um, last year, together with some great digital natives uh, from SAP, salespeople, pre-sales people, uh, digital uh, executives, we have created the Digital Engagement Professional Program, which is a truly enhanced enablement program that touches on all the different skills from uh, live presence to social presence, presence on demand like video. Um, and uh, truly for anyone that is interested in growing these skill sets and, and feel lost in the whole world of digital tools and a digital portfolio that we have at SAP, uh, I urge you to go to that particular program, which you can find everywhere. It's on Success Factors, uh, the Learning Compass. So uh, search for Digital Engagement Professional Program. And I am quite sure that that program will help you to grow your confidence in any of the tools that we are uh, assessing there as well. Perfect. And if you'll shoot me that link, I'll actually put it in the show notes too, if, if, that's, if that's possible. Absolutely, that is possible. Uh, cool. Well, awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. uh, And thank you for being the inaugural guest uh, for, for my round of the SAP Experts podcast.